Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Anti-Culture Podcast. My name is Josiah Sinanin, and today I'm really excited to share with you a special interview that I got to record live at the Calgary International Film Festival, which was a huge dream of mine to be one of the official podcasters for this year's event. So the person I'm interviewing today is named Sean Crawford. He is a Calgarian local filmmaker, and he had his first premiere at the Calgary International Film Festival. You may have heard of the Toronto International Film Festival called TIFF here in Canada, but Calgary is quickly rising in the ranks. We've had some really incredible premieres over the years happen at the Calgary International Film Festival, and year after year, it gets better and better. I try to go every single year if I can and support local film, but you know, I love the Calgary art scene. This is where I was born and raised, and oftentimes in the Calgary International Film Festival, that's when you get to see the diversity that makes up what Calgary is, and you know I'm all about that. So I'm really excited to dive into this with you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode. I also wanna just briefly mention that I am in the process of recording season five interviews. I'm really excited about this season. It's been a crazy year once again. I know 2020 we thought was crazy. 2021 is crazy for a whole different group of reasons. So you can look forward to the next season of Anti-Culture in November. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also visit josiahpodcast.com, sign up for my email list, and be the first to know when the new season drops. So keep an eye out. Um, you can also follow me at josiahpodcast on all social media to discover and get a little teaser of what's coming next. I'm really excited. We have, I don't want to speak too soon, but we do have some A-list celebrities. We have some political figures. We have some really relevant stories from the time. So it's going to be, I think, my best season yet. And I just want to thank you all for listening to my show and sticking around and even listening to these bonus episodes. I find that sometimes they get some really great love. So I really appreciate all of your support. Over the past year, you may have seen me on a variety of CBC programming. I have been a panelist on Canada Tonight with Janella Massa as a culture panelist, and I've covered a bunch of topics on that show on the CBC News Network. And I've also guest hosted the CBC radio show, The Key of A, here in Alberta for two episodes. So if you caught me on any of that, I really appreciate your support, something that totally threw me off um, in a good way is I also won recently the Canadian Podcast Award for Outstanding Society and Culture and I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart for listening and supporting me in this journey. It's crazy to think I'm even recording this right now after years of working on this podcast and running forward with my vision. So I just want to thank everyone who's listened, everyone who's shared the show and everyone who's tuned in over the years to support anti-culture. There is so much more coming, and I can't wait to continue following in the footsteps of what I consider to be my ultimate dreams in life, which is hosting people, sharing stories, and exploring what cultural identity means. So we're going to get into all of that in the film sphere this evening, or this morning, whenever you're listening, and I am so excited to share what's coming up next here at the Calgary International Film Festival. As a note, we did have to record this interview with masks on for the duration of the interview while we were at the film festival, so please excuse any muffled sound. And without further ado, here's my interview with Sean Crawford. This episode of Anti-Culture was recorded on site at the Calgary International Film Festival. 
Now in its 22nd year, SIF brings the best of Alberta, Canadian, and world cinema to Calgary each fall. Sign up for the SIF newsletter at sifcalgaryca newsletter, or follow SIF Calgary on all platforms to be sure you don't miss out on any of the exciting upcoming events. That's C-I-F-F Calgary. Today we're sitting down on premiere night with one of the filmmakers of this year's festival, Sean Crawford. His film, Here and After, is showing tonight to a nearly sold-out crowd, and we're here to chat with him about the film and its creation and the elements that made it up. I'm so honored to have Sean here with me today. So Sean, I'll hand it over to you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into films and give us a little introduction um, for those who might not know you? Sure, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, nearly sold out. I almost bought nine more tickets just so I could say it was sold out. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's an integrity thing there. So uh, how did I get into filmmaking? I mean, when I was about 20 or so, uh, a buddy of mine was just like, hey man, we should write a script. And uh, I was like, that's ridiculous. You don't just you know, write a script and start making movies. But uh, we thought it'd be fun and you know, we were a little younger. And so we just kind of started researching and bought some books on <laughs> how to write a, write a screenplay. And we wrote our first script actually in like Microsoft Word. And there's, you know, there's software that will format a screenplay for you, but we like measured out the margins and, and formatted it all ourselves. And, um, you know, we had some dreams around that. But uh, by the time we got a couple of drafts in, I was like, you know, I should probably go ahead and learn how to do this for real. And so I ended up studying uh, screenwriting at Vancouver Film School. Oh, awesome. That's yeah. great. And you're a Calgary native, is that right? Yeah, for the most part. I would, like a lot of people kind of my age, I was born elsewhere. Uh, I, was, uh, I was born outside Toronto. But my family moved here when I was like one, so I, I pretty much you know, yeah we, feels like I was born and raised here. Yeah, for me. we own you basically. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you mentioned that this isn't your first time at SIF, but this is your first time as a director of a film. So why don't you tell us about here and after, and how it came to be, and how you got into that role of directing your first Calgary Film Festival film? Sure. Yeah. So the other films that were here were films that I wrote or co-wrote. So the first one was actually A Miracle on Christmas Lake that was directed by that, that same guy that I told you about, that we like looked nice. up how, yeah, 10 years later, wow. we did actually end up making a movie together. Uh, you know, we grew up on the same street and he's a best buddy of mine. And so I did a couple of features with uh, him, his name's John Kissack uh, and Jason Therian, who's a producer. After, they were very like genre-based films. There was a Christmas movie and a thriller. They're more kind of designed to get distribution. And afterwards, I was just feeling so thirsty to do something purely creative you know what I mean just for the artistic pursuit of filmmaking and so um, I, I just kind of realized you know the only way I'm going to get one of these crazy ideas of mine made and just see my vision all the way from the page to the screen is if I uh, direct myself and so I never imagined directing and then all of a sudden just like a little yeah. switch went in my head and I was like you know what I'm going to give this a go. And how has that experience been different for you at the Calgary Film Festival compared to your other films? Oh, it's night and day. No one, no one cares about the screenwriter. You know, you're just kind of like, you're lingering around in the background. You know, you show up dressed fancy. No one really knows why. No one wants to talk to you. Um, John Kissack, he actually pulled me up for a Q&A on one of them, which was, which was super kind of him, you know. Whereas as director, you're, it feels like you're kind of the hub of the whole experience of your movie. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, you get to do a cool co podcast like this and, you know, you actually get the industry badge and, yeah. uh, you know, so I've felt it's been a more intimate experience. I, it's been a lot more engaging for me. Now, kind of going back to your Microsoft Word days, <laughs> what do you think it was that brought you into film as it is now? Um, what was it that drew you in? What about the art form do you appreciate? 
I come from storytelling first. I just I love story. I love uh, I, I love moments. You know what I mean? Like I just I love characters and, and relationships. And in fact, one of the things I need to work on is more plot and structure and and things like that. Because I just kind of uh, you know I just sort of like string a bunch of fun moments together, but they're not always as cohesive as they need to be. You know. Right. And so, growing up, I, I realized that just in our play and like our imaginative play, you know, we were doing storytelling all the time. We were always constructing narratives and characters and themes and, and right. tragedy and, and romance and, and all this, you know? And so it was kind of a, a sort of a seamless transition to, to find a way to do that as a vocation in adulthood. Yeah, for sure. And something that's really cool about this film, I think is just the character building that happens throughout because I think a lot of people, when they first watch it, they're maybe trying to keep track of what the timeline is because there is a bit of time play in the film. But I think the actors that you chose did such a good job of kind of weaving everything together with how they interacted with each other and with the storyline. And I'm curious about how you found those actors and what made you decide to choose them for this particular film. Yeah, so that's uh, Tedra Rogers plays Aurora and uh, Thomas Romero, uh, he plays Ray. And... It's funny because from the, the minute I laid eyes on each of them, you know, there's kind of a part of you that's like, that, that's the person that you want to play this role. And then you kind of, you do your due diligence and, and you do the auditions. And we auditioned some amazing actors, you know, some like great, great talent. But a lot of it comes down to the, the, the chemistry and the fit, you know. There's this one woman auditioned who just, she completely understood the character. I was blown away by the work that she did. And I was just like, oh, I'm sorry, it's just like, it's just not a good fit. You're so, you know, you're so amazing in so many ways, but there's just, you know, you don't have that character in you, you know, and so it's not even a knock on the actor sometime. But um, so Teddy, uh, I'd seen in, in some things before, and she'd worked with Brett Furster and Brett Connors, who are producers on this. Cool. And so I, I kind of had my eye on her, I think even like as I was writing it, sort of early on, she was someone yeah. I was interested in. And then Thomas was referred to us by Jason Long, who's a screenwriter in Alberta, teaches at SAIT. Everyone coming up through SAIT, you know, knows Jason. And, and so he'll kind of, if he knows someone working on a project, he'll sort of send you all of his best students for, you know, one thing or another. And uh, Thomas, this is the first time he ever acted. And so uh, I remember I pulled him aside after like his second audition. And I was like, you know, man, I'm really feeling you for this role. We're still interviewing some people. Um, I'm like, it's your first time. It's my first time. I don't know, man. I, I believe in us. Let's just do this thing. So that's uh, awesome. they did an amazing job. The film they was going to like kind of live and die on their performance. Yeah, and I think absolutely. They did great. Yeah. yeah. So what is it about the Calgary film scene that you would say is differentiated from other film industries or other cities in Canada even? What makes Calgary special? What do you think it has to offer? Oh, there's a few things to that. So I mean, so the one answer is what Hollywood likes about it. And that is, you know, we have amazing locations, amazing scenery, you know, there's prairie, foothills, Rocky Mountains, uh, you know, wheat fields, winter, there, you know, there's, there's so much that you can do in terms of setting. We have really long days, you know what I mean? So in terms of like light for shooting, we have a long magic hour. And then we have world-class crews that the, you know, the, the film industry here has spent years training to draw those productions. So that's what's unique about Calgary. For me, on the flip side, from the independent side, you know, that's more like Calgary is a service provider for Hollywood. But because that exists, kind of adjacent to that, there's so many independent filmmakers 
who want to make their own movies, who want to own their own movies, you know what I mean? Who, who don't just want to be assistant camera number one, they want to be yeah. the director, you know? And so I think what's unique is that no one's really trying to facilitate that part of the film industry here, but we have so many creative, talented people that it's just kind of emerging by force. And, and I think there's an opportunity for it to uh, explode if that fire is stoked even just like a little bit. So I'm always really excited about that. Totally. And do you think there's something kind of to the Western hospitality aspect of our culture that like allows this unique filmmaking hub to kind of be formed over the years? Oh, I'm going to give a totally honest answer on that and say yeah. no, because okay. like, I don't know if anyone, you know, you, when you travel abroad, even outside, even in Canada, outside Alberta, we don't always have as great a reputation around, you know what I mean? So like, true. Yeah. You know, and so I don't think anyone's like, oh, you know, those, <laughs> those, those sweet Alberta people are so, yeah. so great when it comes to hosting the arts. Right. I don't think that is our reputation, you know, so that's why it, it almost like it, it shouldn't be happening here. And yet it is, you know? Yeah. And that's something that is kind of interesting that I thought about your film is that you did specifically choose Calgary as a main location. You kind of broke the fourth wall with that when they even mentioned you know, do you like Calgary? How's the city for you? And I thought that was really interesting. And, and I'm glad that you did that because I think sometimes I've watched films that are set in Calgary that it's never mentioned. And it kind of has this weird, I don't I think maybe just being from here, I'm like, this is in Calgary. And they're trying to act like this is, you know, some other city. And so what made you choose Calgary as like one of the characters of the film? Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about that. So I kind of rail against business decisions you know what i mean and so you know people will shoot films in calgary and they'll portray it as uh colorado you know like right. the other films that i wrote because the u.s is the biggest market you know and so they'll hang up american flags and stuff like that yeah. because you're trying to sell your movie in the u.s so that's the main reason you know people are always masquerading calgary as something else but i've had this conversation with a number of artists and filmmakers here who always agree it's just like why can't it be Calgary, you know what I mean? Like, and that's going to contribute to growing the film industry here and to, into changing the identity of the city. And so like, yeah, let's just call it Calgary. Yeah. And hopefully it kind of lessens the stigma of, um, who Albertans are to people. Out yeah. There <laughs> Show it in a different light. For yeah, sure. for yeah. sure. That's one thing if I can throw in there, Brett first, our cinematographer, when I told him I wanted to set it in Calgary and like jam that line in there, he's like, okay, but he really wanted to show Calgary in a way that it's never been seen before, you know, and, uh, you know, to his credit, I think he accomplished that. It's a, it's a different kind of lens on it. And I think Jones did the same thing, which I'm excited to see it. Yeah, that's really exciting. And that's something I noticed, too, like even the location choices you made were pretty unique. And I thought it was cool that, you know, the Okotoks rock was in there. But then there's also some like just even walking through the city that I think paints a really unique picture of what Calgary is, because we do have a lot of outdoors people. We have people that use all those trails. What kind of made you choose those settings as opposed to, you know, we're going to be downtown, we're going to be, you know, by the Peace Bridge or, you know, other options that could have been available to you? Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of the whole process was identifying those locations. So we had a very, very small budget, like micro budget is putting it. It's between no budget and micro budget. And low budget is like a million in Hollywood. You know what I mean? But we were we were nowhere near that and so it was just there's a I, I love this idea that uh, restriction is actually an opportunity for creativity you know what I mean so the more you restrict yourself the more creative you can get so it was like so we don't have a lot of money we can't do crazy camera shots we can't do a ton of camera shots you know we have writing we have acting 
and then we have spaces we have locations you know and yeah. so we just i just kind of kept my eye out all the time and with the producers we were just always kind of talking about different things um and i was just walking around one day and came across this staircase that i'd never seen before i, I love like, that this staircase. is cool yeah. i'm like there's flowers painted all over like this thing's gorgeous you know like no one's ever shot this staircase right um the next page bookstore was near where i work and i'd been there a ton and i was just like man this is gorgeous we ended up going over budget on locations actually we liked them so nice. much and then contemporary calgary had kind of done like a soft opening but they weren't all the way open so we had this little window we could get in there and shoot and um big rock you know i just kind of had it in mind when i wrote the script as something i could kind of tie into the subject matter and it's just sort of a it, it is an iconic calgary place that's not as iconic as the calgary tower or something like that you know what i mean or scotsman's hill where everybody shoots or um inglewood you know where everybody shoots you know so that, that was fun to be like let's use these locations as an asset and i think that is a great segue into kind of getting more into the film itself the film i don't know how much you want to give away but there's a very um, interesting concept of time and time passing and also romance and those ideas were quite unique i haven't seen anything really like that in my history of watching film did Calgary have something to do with the inspiration there, or where would where did the concept come from? You know, the closest thing is the curious case of Benjamin Button. You know what I mean? And like, that's probably just took root in my subconscious and then just manifested as this concept. Sometime later is the only thing I can figure. You know, it was yeah. it was an idea that I had a while back though. And the concept, I don't mind saying it a little bit, is there's uh, the woman in Aurora. She experiences life backwards one day at a time. And Ray, of course, lives life like the rest of us. And so the film takes place on the day that they first meet. So because she's going backwards, this is actually the last time she's ever going to see him, even though it's the first time he's uh, meeting her, you know? And so I just, when that kind of came together in my head, I was like, that's such a cool dynamic. There's just so much opportunity to, to play around with what they believe and what they say and how they approach each other and, and what the challenges are going to be, you know? And so... And then I love the idea of um, there was so much polarization I could do with him. You know, now she, because of her experience, believes more in fate and determinism. Uh, and she is a romantic and raised in a place where he doesn't believe in love. And, and he thinks that everyone has a choice and he always makes the wrong choice. And he's experienced these consequences, you know. And so uh, bringing them together in that point when, for me, there's an inevitability just by what she says that, of course, they're going to end up together was it was just fun like I, I like a little bit of safety in a film I don't like conflict you know I get criticized for it a lot like I right. you know I want it to kind of go well <laughs> and so it was nice yeah. to have that yeah they're gonna end up together you know but she's also got to say goodbye and move on yeah and I think there was a really you did a great job making that tension palpable like I think there's going to be people that watch your film that are rom more romantic and you know want to see it end up that way and then there's people that might be more skeptical, but also at the end, you know, there's this beautiful moment with the, the lilac tree, I think, that really ties everything together. And I thought it was really interesting. This is my own theory. I'm going to throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. So there's a line in the film where um, Tedra talks about how she loves places where two things come together. Mm -hmm. And I think she talks about, like, your collarbone and what, what was the other piece? Oh, man. Uh, sunset, sunrise. <laughs> yeah, you know, sunset, yeah, sunrise. Yeah. And I, I, I was kind of, as I finished the film, I was like, you know, Calgary's a great example of that because we're at that precipice of the prairies and the mountains. It's that convergence. That's the, where that space lies. But there's also so many other decisions you made in the film itself, the color choice, some of the soundscape, 
that really reflected that kind of in the background. And it just was woven throughout so wonderfully. And I wondered if you could unpack that a little bit more too. Um, was that kind of like a, an anchored line for the film, do you think? Or Yeah, a thousand percent it was. Yeah. That one, she says that. She loves the place where things meet, where, where things come together. And then uh, Ray, Thomas has a line in it where he says um, uh, something about the space between spaces. He says things aren't an either or. They're always a little bit of both. They're, they're somewhere in the middle. And so on the surface, the film has a lot of dichotomy. You know, she's living backwards, he's living forwards, she believes in fate, he believes in free will, you know, she believes in love, you know, he doesn't. Um, and the kind of, the place the film leaves and, and it lives in kind of one of the points that we make is that it's not either or, you know what I mean? It's not black or white, it's, it's somewhere in the middle. And, and that's, yeah, why we shot in black and white, because it's more, you know, a thousand shades of gray and not actually black and white. And then even a lot of the locations were chosen based on this, is that's why we did you know a doorway a bridge stairs there those spaces you know between spaces and, and that's where their relationship exists and i think that's where a lot of relationships exist you know and so that's just where i kind of wanted the whole film to live was that right. that convergence that space between spaces mountains and prairies and foothills that's a happy accident for, like for sure and, and then yeah. big rock was so great for that because a piece of the rocky mountains right. are in the prairie there right yeah. right i love that scene so Looking at the film now, now that it's completed, now that the premiere is about to happen, what is your hope? How do you want people to feel after they're done watching the film? I want people to believe in love. I, I, I just wanted to tell a love story. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love love stories. I love romance in, in movies. And I never made one, you know? And, that, and that's another inspiration for why I wanted to make this. I was like, I just want to tell a love story. I just want to tell a happy love story. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's where, that's where kind of Ray ends up, you know what I mean? And that's where I feel like where the film ends up and, and that's what I love people to take away from it. I hope they don't go too far down the rabbit hole on the high concept because <laughs> yeah. it really doesn't matter too right. much. You know what I mean? It, it's, about, it's about them and their relationship. And so I just hope people come out being like, that was a beautiful love story. That's what I would like. Yeah. Do you think there's a specific point in the movie where there is that direct turning point where you can kind of see Thomas like, let his guard down and say, okay, this is real. I can believe this person. Yes, you gave me chills. It's my favorite part of the movie. Okay. So yes, but he does still have like a little bit further to go. But there's actually, there's a scene where they've just had a fight. And then this is the kind of thing where you see these things in movies and you're like, God, I, I love that. I'd love to do that one day. So there's a scene in Rocky going back to like 1976 where Rocky and Mickey get into a huge fight. Mickey's, Rocky's been given his shot at the championship. Mickey's like, hey, I can be your manager. Rocky yells at him a whole bunch for like five minutes. And then Mickey's walking away and Rocky runs out and chases him down. And you don't hear what they say, but they have this whole conversation and they shake hands and you're like, they just came to this agreement that he's gonna be his manager. But you almost don't need to hear what they say. You can just kind of like feel it and you almost know it. Right. There's a similar scene in this indie film Columbus that came out a few years ago, which was a big influence for us where she's describing something, but you don't hear it. So I wanted to do that so badly. So they get in this fight and then he goes to get in the car to drive away and she kind of refuses and goes and sits on the front of it. And while the radio's playing and she just kind of like waits him out. And she says to him, she's like, I just want you to stand beside me and watch what happens. And what I love about that is she's so confident in their love and in their connection that if he just shuts up and just stands still and is just next to her, he'll feel it. That's all he needs to do. And so she waits him out and he goes and he sits next to her and then it all just kind of like tilts from there. And we don't actually hear what they say, 
you know, and we don't need to, but I think that's the moment for, for him. That's the moment for me anyway. My favorite moment in the movie. I love it. One of the things that I really wanted to do, I've been on other shoots where the focus is a little more on the, the film aspect in terms of like the cinematography. And so the time is given to the camera setups, you know, and, and the crew and all of that. And I've even heard actors that it's just kind of discombobulated for them. So one of the things I really wanted to do was the, the space in, in this production was going to be given more to the actors, you know, and so we, we kind of planned it out that way. And so... You know, we gave them that space. I'd say the moment that was, I, I thought, the best acting performance by the two of them was this fight in the doorway, kind of near the climax of the film. And they just, like, they spent some time together in the bedroom before coming out, and they kind of asked that we not talk and chatter as they come out just so they could kind of stay in the headspace they were. And they stayed, like, embraced the whole time, which is funny to me because it was a fight scene. Yeah. But they were just kind of hugging each other always between takes and just sort of, like, staying. And so... I think that was the most kind of natural and powerful uh, moment uh, acting-wise between the two of them. That's so cool. Um, now, going back to just making the film in general, when you first, like, how did it all come together when you're like, okay, this is actually happening and I'm going to submit it for SIF? Was there, like, a moment when you felt like, okay, this is going to go all the way? And was it hard to bring all those elements together? No, I doubt it constantly. You know what I mean? Like, I doubt it still. You know what I mean? It's just like, that, that's part of it, right? Um, I think that by the time you're done shooting, I have a sense, I'm like, okay, like, we got it in the can. By hell or high water, we're going to, like, put this thing together. You never know how good it's going to be, you know? And, um, you know, it's so tough to... It's, it's hard to make a movie. It's hard to make a good movie. Yeah. It's near impossible to make a great one. I'd, I'd sure love to one day. It's, it's a dream of mine. You know, but I do remember, I think it was when we were shooting, or maybe it was when we were post-production, Brett Furster, we were just kind of talking about expectations for the film, and he was the producer and cinematographer, and he's like, you know, if we can get this into SIF, and we can watch it with our community and our cast and crew at, at a, a big, meaningful festival that's important to us, that would be a success. So for me, the moment you're talking about probably didn't come in, until our, our SIF acceptance came through. And then I just had this huge, like, okay, like I can, I can live with this the rest of my life as if kind of like, yes, we did it. We did what we set out to do. Yeah. I, I made an artistic film. We got into a meaningful festival. We shared it with our community. I can learn from it and move on without feeling like I, I, I failed in it. Right, right. Well, congratulations again. That's Thanks. really awesome. Is there, does, has that moment inspired you to continue making films moving forward and doing more? Desperate. Or, yes, Desperate awesome. to do more. <laughs> you know, also because like, it's hard to even watch your own work, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm terrified of going and watching this right now because there's so many things that are just are cringy for the team that made it, you know? And uh, I learned so much. And it's that, it's that weird paradox where you don't know what you need to know until afterwards because you had to mess it up to learn it, you know? And so, like, I learned so much from it, not just about directing, but about writing, about everything. And, and I'm just so desperate to try to apply that now and just try to, like, grow... It's hard, it's hard to find money. That's the hardest thing, right. straight up, is finding money to make yeah, stuff, thousand percent, you know? Yeah. Cool. Now, this is a bit of a cliche question, but I do want to know, what general advice would you give to someone who's looking to get into the film industry, especially here in Alberta? What, what, kind of, what are kind of the steps you need to get started in that? God, I, I got to keep this short. I have so much advice, because I believe in it so much. Yeah, I, awesome. I, uh, and it's more from my experience. I would just say that, like, First of all, it's, it's possible, you know what I mean? Like, just go for it. I wish I went for it earlier. I was, I was a little more messed up in my 20s. I probably couldn't have, you know, but I wish I had my life 
together enough to go for it sooner because it's so possible. And I just find that if you just chase your dream down with everything you've got, uh, opportunities present themselves and, and you got to jump on top of that. I do also say, especially since we're at a podcast, I'm a white, straight, cisgender male. So I know that opportunities come to me more often and more freely than others. So it's not that easy of a statement, but you know, they, they can and will come and, and, and when they do go for it or generate your own, you know what I mean? I reach out to people all the time. I emailed someone this morning, um, you know, who I've seen their work recently. I was a fan of, and I'm just like, Hey, here's some projects I got. I'd love to write for you. I'd, I'd love to work for you. Nice. And you know, so sometimes you just got to like make stuff happen. And then what else? What other advice I say, don't, I don't think you have to sacrifice everything for it. I hate the idea of sacrificing for your art. Right. I think you can have both. I think you can be a healthy whole person with healthy whole relationships, you know, and, and do other things while chasing down your dream. But this idea that everything has to be sacrificed or put on hold, uh, I don't buy into. So yeah, you can't have it all and, and give it everything you got. I love that. Also cliche answers. Yeah, no, cliche that's great. Question. <laughs> it is helpful, yeah. And do you think in Calgary right now, if someone's wanting to submit something for SIF, let's say next year, what was the sense of competition like for you? Was it, did it feel like there was a lot going on or was it, did you feel like, okay, we have a really good shot at this and I'm just gonna go for it? Or where, were, where was your headspace? I, I always feel like there's a lot of competition and part of it's nice because it kind of keeps me on the edge a little bit, but part of it's also not as healthy. You know what I mean? It's, it's not always healthy to compare yourselves to, to others. And so I'd say more just kind of focus on your work and what you got going on and put it out in the world. Don't worry about what it's competing against. I submit to Sundance and TIFF every, every film I make, you know, yeah. even when it was like $100, you know, no chance in hell is ever going to get into TIFF or Sundance. And I still haven't got into them, you know what I mean? But go for it, you know, like put it in there. You never know. I'm a huge believer in putting your work out in the world, you know, and so um, with this project, I was lucky. I got a small grant from the Calgary Arts Development just for festival submissions. Oh, wow. So I was able to kind of, um, yeah, put it in, in more festivals than I normally would. That's amazing. And so if people are wanting to see what's coming up next for you, let's say they love this film, where can they find Sean, Sean Crawford and what's next for you? And what can we, what can we see that's coming oh, up? Well, what's next? So, you know, what's funny right now in about three days, I'm going on paternity leave. My, my wife and I are splitting the leave. She did the first six months and I'm doing the next six months. Nice. Um, and then my day job, I work at a company called Mammoth XR, where we make virtual reality and augmented reality content. So we've got some cool projects coming out there. So I'd say always check out Mammoth XR and what we've got going on. And then uh, otherwise, you'll probably hear from me sooner or later, you know, asking someone to collaborate or, you know, help me find money, you know, or just kind of promoting what I'm trying to do. So they don't have to keep an eye out. I'll, I'll come for them. Awesome. That sounds great. And last question here, just to wrap things up is, can you tell us what is a dream project for you? Like if, if you could make any concept come to life as a filmmaker, what would it be? And what's the idea behind it? Oof, man, you know, I think it would be, it's not so much a concept. It's more of, I, I, I want to, I want a film that just fully lands on my voice. You know, like I want to balance out mainstream appeal with uh, some artistic approach and just sort of like, what is a movie told the way I would tell it? You know, and I think the great filmmakers that I grew up watching, like uh, Wes Anderson or Quentin Tarantino or, or Martin Scorsese or something like that, you know, they, they walk that line. And so I, I would love to, I just want to make a great movie. The specific concept doesn't matter. It's just like to achieve 
objective greatness where no one can point at it and say it's bad. Right. You know what I mean? Because like I've, I've had so much rejection and so much, yeah, it's mediocre, it's not good enough, you know, this and that, keep working. That's my dream is to make a movie where, where no one can say that, where it's just objectively great. May never that. get there, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's a yeah. worthy pursuit. That's awesome. I love that goal. Well, I wish you the best with tonight. I hope you're feeling good. I am nervous, but yeah. <laughs> excited. Yeah, this helped. Talking about it kind of like loosened me up. Good, Appreciate good. it. Yeah, and congratulations on almost selling out too. That's a huge accomplishment. Thanks, man. Appreciate it for sure. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thank you for talking to me, Sean Crawford. And you can check out his film here and after. Is there a way people can find it after the festival? Oh, well, it's going to be in the Edmonton International Film Festival next week. It'll probably be online with SIF for a little bit as well. And it might pop up in a couple other festivals uh, in the next few months as well. Perfect. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much again, Sean, and it was great talking to you. You as well. I'm Josiah Sinanen, and thank you so much for tuning in to this special episode of Anti-Culture. This special episode of the show was brought to you by ATB Cares. With ATB Cares, giving is easy. Donate through ATB Cares, and ATB will match 20% of every dollar donated to eligible Albertan charities, maximizing the impact of your donation. Visit atbcares.com to choose your cause and donate today. We also want to mention Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. Offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Winter is coming and energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing, so now is a great time for listeners to look at their utility bills and ensure they're on the best plan. Albertans have a choice who they pay their utility bills to. Park Power is happy to provide free, no obligations comparisons. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy and you can feel good knowing you're supporting a local business and helping give back to communities with your utility bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. I'm Josiah Sinanen, and thank you so much for joining me at the Calgary International Film Festival this year. I'm really looking forward to sharing season five of Anti Culture with you all. Please follow me on social media at Josiah Podcast to stay up to date on all things anti culture, and I'll talk to you soon.